Hello, Merry Christmas, and welcome to another episode of the A Leagues of Our Own podcast presented by the Inner Sanctum. Yes, I've just copied the intro from yesterday, but it's Christmas. Let me have this one. Santa is here. A third of the A-League season is done, so where does your team sit on the quest for the A-League championship? We'll go through every team one by one, assess their season so far, and try to predict what this crazy old league will look like come May. My name is Lachlan Abel, and joining me to do your dub rundown is Paletti. Uh, was this intro better or worse than the last one? Ah, uh, no comment. Okay, moving swiftly on. Christian, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Lockie. All right, so we're going to go bottom to top as we did for the men's league and we're going to start with the battle for the wooden spoon. Now, we know ahead of time, uh, we figured this out, we have Canberra and Adelaide in our wooden spoon off in 12th v 11th. So we'll go around the table. My tip for the spoon is Adelaide United and most of my logic here comes from Canberra. Canberra are simultaneously the most prolific team in front of goal and have the leakiest defence. So I think... There is the easiest path for Canberra if they can tighten up their defence. They know they can score goals, and I think that will be what lifts them off the bottom of the table. Christian? Yeah, I'm the same as you. I've got Adelaide in last place, Canberra in 11th. I think Canberra, for me, they're such a crazy side, you know, in terms of leaking goals to the back. You know, if you're a fan of them, you'd be extremely frustrated to the point where, you know, you think, you know, when's this going to end? When are we finally going to find some consistency at the back? But... In terms of Adelaide, I just can't see them, you know, stringing any sort of any real results together to some real consistency, I guess. I mean, yeah, there's just no sign of life to them. You've got Canberra, you've got Michelle Heyman up front, you know, Vesna Milanovic, who's been killing it at the moment, uh, like she has been even the season before. So, you know that in terms of up front, Canberra have the weapons to, you know, at least outscore the opposition in a few games, whereas Adelaide just don't have that firepower and that's... Yeah, why well, I've ranked those two uh, in those two positions. Paletti, if you have Canberra for the spoon, I've done this in a very bad order because we could have built a bit of suspense. <laughs> um, it's already 2-0, but what's your vote? I originally had Canberra for the spoon and then I flipped it. I've got, I've got Adelaide for the spoon. I've got Canberra in 11th. And for me, the biggest factor in that is Canberra have Vesna Milivojevic. And they've got Heyman Hundo watch. Heyman's going to get 100. That will help them win some games. So that's literally the only difference um, for me is Heyman Hundo watch and Vesna Milivojevic. So they are four points behind Adelaide as we sit now. Still have the two games, of course, because they missed due to Sydney's AFC Cup trip and the Wanderers' cancelled game. As you say, Michelle Heyman... She scored a lot of goals early. She's gone a little bit quiet the last month or so. Is looking for that 100th milestone goal, Christian. I guess that's what Canberra are realistically trying to get out of this season now. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, in terms of anything else, they're not really going to challenge for finals, you can say. That's pretty yeah, pretty safe to, to confirm that. So, yeah, Heyman's going to be a big motivating factor for the rest of the squad to try and reach that 100 mark, which I'm sure she will achieve if not you know the season after but yeah like I said they've just got that bit more firepower up front to to really cause some opposition havoc because even for the top teams they can you know they can match it at times just whether they can stream that you know for a full 90 minutes which basically they can't okay in 10th place now as they lie are the Western Sydney Wanderers 
Paletti obviously removing Kat Smith from her post on the eve of the season and uh, is proving a, a little bit difficult to reconcile in hindsight at the very least. Add that to the decision not to renew the contract of Serena Bolden. There's a lot of questions to be asked potentially about the Wanderers off-field management. There were some encouraging signs with wins against Western United and the Mariners, uh, but you know the loss at home to Adelaide put that run to an end. I have them sitting 10th uh, where they are. Do you see any different? I'm looking at the little list I've made for myself in front of me and I've written Western twice. So I need to work out which one is Western <laughs> Sydney Wanderers and which one is Western United. Um, I think I've got Western in ninth. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers in ninth, I should say. Okay, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> I almost screwed that up again. Um, yeah, I, I've got them in ninth. I think there's enough there. Um, to pick up a couple of key wins that all kind of vault them above the team that I've got in 10th. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, Sophie Harding is doing incredibly well. This is a tweet from Kieran Yap, I should say. Um, it sounds dumb, but the Wanderers need a second Sophie Harding. So when Harding is on the wing, she has a Harding to cross to. And when Harding is, is in the middle, she has a Harding to deliver the ball. Just find another tall, fast, two-footed striker who can play anywhere in the attack. So simple. Um, geez, if only they had that last season. I wonder who I wonder who could possibly fit that bill. Um, oh, Serena Bolden. Um, where's she gone? Uh, Newcastle. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, who else could fit the bill that was also a past wanderer? Oh, Ashley Crofts. Um, I wonder what she's doing at the moment. Um, oh, that's right. She doesn't have a contract anywhere. Got NPL New South Wales Golden Boot winner last year. Dub experience. Like, um, I'm just saying there there are options there for the Wanderers if they want to try and make a push for finals. Christian, uh, people a lot more knowledgeable than me were screaming at the start of the season, like Politi, like Antonis, how does Serena Bolden not have a contract? You add that in with Cat Smith leaving and you got to think like, you know, just what are they doing? Yeah, and before the season started with all the sort of cultural issues around the club, including like you mentioned, the sacking of Cat Smith, that was just a strange one. I thought she did well, you know, up until that point and just all of a sudden out of the blue, I think it was with one week to go until the season or less than a week. You know, she was just gone just like that. So, I mean, in terms of in that aspect, the way their season's panned out so far, it's been pretty impressive because I actually expected them to be near the bottom, if not the wooden spoon to this point. So, yeah, like Pauletti mentioned, Sophie Harding's been pretty instrumental so far. I mentioned, you know, towards the start of the season how she wasn't getting the service that she required. Um, I think that's changed a bit now. Perhaps the system's in place you know, the tactics combated that in a sense that's helped Harding, you know, score those goals, which a good boost for them. Um, I've got them finishing in 10th place. Okay, uh, one, two, three, all the same for us. We're off to a good start. Uh, a big mover that I'm predicting we all have moving up the table in ninth at the moment is the Newcastle Jets. Obviously, we're now at the end of Emily Van Egmond's four-game guest stint that brought a flurry of fans back to number two sports ground in particular. Christian, but along with a lot of strong support came some really wonderful football. Uh, of course, they're going to lose Van Egmond's quality, but they've brought in Serena Bolden, you know, the one guy that's woken up, and they've they said, we're going to get her on the books. Molina Ayres is returning from injury. Even with Van Egmond leaving, things are still looking good for the Jets. Yeah, some people would suggest that, yeah, Van Egmond leaving, that would be a sign that, yeah, the Jets are going to fall off again, but... Like you mentioned, you know, Serena Bolden, Melina Ayres has hardly featured in the past few weeks. Once she gets, you know, her form, you know, peaking at the right level, like we saw at the victory 
you know, last season in particular. I think this Jets side can truly really make some noise uh, heading in, you know, to, you know, the end of the season. But I don't think it's going to be enough for them to make the top six. I've got them just one place outside in seventh. I do see, you know, climbing up a couple of places, obviously. Um, I think just too good of a side, you know, on paper, uh, not to, you know, improve their ladder position. But yeah, in the end, they'll fall just short for me. Please, you have them moving up as well. Yeah, I've got them in sixth and making a final spot. I I will put a disclaimer on that. I think that is contingent on Gary Van Engmond uh, staying in the coaching job for the Jets because there has been that uh, reports and rumors that he might be looking to take a job in China uh, within the national team setup over over the last couple of weeks. So I think that's contingent on him staying there. Uh, look, they've got quality. They look miles ahead of where Jets have in seasons past. Molina Rez, Serena Bolden, got a lot of young talent coming through that have been part of the emerging Jets setup. And so they know what it's like to lose. And I think given that they've got that winning feeling, they're not going to want to go back to what it was like, you know, having, you know, spent a lot of seasons, uh, a lot of games uh, on the wrong end of the score sheet. Uh, and I think they'll push for the final spot with that extended final series so that I think they'll finish in sixth. Yeah, this this run of four games has been really good. Obviously, the two wins, and then you give them narrow losses to Sydney and Wellington, who are definitely contenders in their own right. I have them just sneaking in to a, a final spot as well in sixth. I will put my hands up and I say that is probably an optimistic selection. I would not be surprised at all if, they, if they're in that seventh to eighth range. I think that you know six to nine is, is probably... There's a lot of debate in, in that area, but optimistic pick uh, for the Newcastle Jets. But as I said, yes, just getting into finals for me. Paulie, we talked about uh, the decision to move Cat Smith at the Wanderers. Um, of course, a different Smith in Alex has taken over the Brisbane Roar, who currently sit in eighth spot. They got rid of Gareth McPherson after a couple of games. With, you know, they weren't doing too bad. We've gone over this before. We obviously know this was not an on-field decision. Things were happening behind the scenes that we're not aware of. The decision was made by head office. They wanted to change the culture of the team in a certain way. That's their prerogative. But since Alex Smith has come in and slightly before as well, winless in their last seven games, that is not a good record for the Raw. I have them slipping down a spot into ninth. Uh, I've got them going into 10th. Um, and I think that is partially because I had the Wanderers moving up. Um, look, I just don't, I don't trust this Brisbane side. I think, you know, you talked about they've been winless under Alex Smith. Um, I had a chance to watch them on Friday night against Sydney FC at Leichhardt. And look, they played well on Friday night. I'll give them that. Uh, tap in from Courtney Vine, stopping them from getting all three points. Uh, look, the game probably could have gone anyone's way, so I think a draw in the end was probably a fair result. Uh, but I just looked at the way Sydney FC had them. Like, they were able to absorb pressure well that Brisbane were putting on. Anytime there was a loose ball, more often than not, it was Sydney FC getting to it first. They were kind of able to play well in transition against Brisbane. And I just, it just feels like Brisbane are missing something, but I don't know what that something is. Christian, do you think Plady and I are sleeping on the raw? Uh, not necessarily. I've got them in eighth, so I mean, not not much higher than that. Um, I think leadership is a big aspect as to why I've got them maybe higher than what Paletti has them. You know, the likes of you know Aisha Nori, 
Uh, you got Tamika Yallop, obviously, and Matilda in the ranks. I just think with that experience and, you know, that leadership, like I said, that can really spur on, you know, a side to pick up some positive results like they did against Sydney away from home, picking up that point, which is obviously really positive given what's happened with the coaching and whatnot. Uh, Mia Corbin's another one who's really impressed me uh, throughout these first few games. I think uh, with her goals, she'll need to score a few more if they're, you know, to cement sort of a mid-table position. But all in all, I don't think it's all bad signs because, you know, at the start of the season, they were beating, you know, Melbourne Victory. They've got the talent, they've got the potential, uh, but obviously it won't be enough to make the top six. All right. Well, this one's a very interesting one now. In seventh currently lie the Central Coast Mariners. Christian, it's been an up and down start to their season. Of course, they return to the A-League women's after a little while away. Their form has been pretty inconsistent. They haven't gone on good runs up or down anywhere. They have been impressive in patches. Of course, you know, that F3 derby at the start of the year was just crazy. We probably just write that one off. But, you know, knocking on the door of the six at Christmas with a completely new list, I don't think Emily Husband would be totally disappointed with that result if that was offered to her at the start of the year. She's got a new group together. She has to work them in somehow. And if they feel like they're progressing as a team, sitting seventh at the moment is probably not a bad result. Yeah, 100% agree. Even you know, before the season started, I would have probably had the Mariners near the bottom just based off, you know, they hadn't been in the league for over a decade. It's just that that factor of you don't know what to expect from them, you know. I mean, obviously the new signings coming in. I actually expect that, you know, obviously Kaya Simon to, to make a huge impact, but, you know, she's hardly, you know, made the field at all. So that's what makes it even more impressive that they've been able to, you know, solidify and bring some good results together. Um, I think Emily Husband's a great coach. I think on the defensive side of the ball, you can see, you know, a real difference, you know, already from, you know, the first few games. Just, yeah, really compact, really impressive. Uh, for me, I've got them in ninth though, because I think the inexperience, you know, coming in to a new league, I just think they'll drop off just a tad. Yeah, I, I agree. I have them dropping down to eighth as well. So just missing out on a final spot. Bloody, it's just one of those things like with a new team, right? They obviously need time to gel and maybe, you know, if they do start to hit their straps towards the end of the season, maybe it's just a little bit too late. Uh, look, I've got the Mariners finishing in eighth. Um, I think that this is a case of it's kind of kind of like what you and Christian already touched on. Like, I think they're a good side on paper. I think there is a potential there to make a run. Might come a little bit too late. Like, if they're going to go on this run, they kind of need to start it tomorrow, basically. And I say tomorrow as in a general term, not not that they're playing tomorrow. Um, on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> What's Santa bringing them? <laughs> Three points. Three points and some sauce bottles that flip you off. Um, <laughs> uh, look, so so I think that that's... Um, yeah, look, I, I see them finishing in eighth. Look, they're having a good season. Uh, they just very handily dispatched uh, Canberra. Uh, a couple more performances like that, and they could very easily see themselves inside the top six. But I think I, think I need to see a little bit more from them before I... I'm convinced, and maybe if we do this a little bit later in the season, um, you know, another third of the way through, I might have them a little bit higher. But for now, I've only got them in eighth. Yeah, I think particularly uh, this sixth to ninth bracket was really tricky for me to try and figure out. You know, I've, I said I have Newcastle at six, Central Coast at eight, Brisbane at nine, and then seventh we haven't quite got to yet. But I really do think that those teams 
will be fighting it out for one of those last final spots and they really could go anywhere. I think that, especially how condensed the league is at the moment uh, with the point spread, there's a lot of variables that could come into play, obviously, and I would not be surprised if the Central Coast Mariners make the finals. I was going to say, I'm looking at my top six now and I'm, you've got the Jets both at six, yeah? Lockheed and Pauletti. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm just thinking, who have you guys dropped out of this top six? In sixth place at the moment is Sydney FC, of course, coming off a very respectable performance at the AFC Women's Club Championships. Uh, it leaves them in a deceitful sixth place, I would say. They have two games to catch up. Injuries to Nat Tobin and Courtney Vine have been unfortunate. They've had to deal with those, but they're still doing well in the league. Paletti, I, I really think they're positioned well. Uh, in the league at the moment. As I mentioned, those injuries were not ideal. Courtney Vine is making her way back into the team. They're on the charge, you know, still games to catch up on, already in sixth spot. I think they're really well positioned to have a charge in the new year. Look, I think they are as well. Um, And this is not an indictment on Sydney FC. It's just more where everyone else is falling around them. Kind of like a little bit if you go back to the men's preview, it's just kind of like I've got them positioned kind of just where the chips have fallen. Uh, I've got them moving up into fifth. I think that if you look at the teams that are currently in the top four, you've got Victory, you've got Wellington, you've got Glory, you've got City. You've all had good seasons. They've all been doing well. And I just... I think Sydney have struggled a little bit more than some of us expected with the uh, mass departures they had in the offseason. Charlie Rule, Mackenzie Hawksby... You know, the injury to Nat Tobin, there's um, Madison Haley, although she was only on loan. Um, I feel like there's another departure I'm forgetting. But it's been a very tough, uh, it's been a very tough time for Sydney FC. Um, the fact that they're still in the top six, two games in hand, kind of tells you like about the talent that this side has. But I mean, their midfield three is made up of a 16, a 17 and an 18 year old at the moment um, that are starting. That's not good. Yeah, look, it- it's definitely a worry and, you know, the downside of that is, you know, if they take a knock to their confidence, what happens? Are they able to stand up late in games, you know, when the pressure's on? Obviously, the advantage of that long term is that they have plenty to come in front of them as well. Two games in hand, if they win them both, they're straight up into second, right? They're right in it. I'm going to say third for Sydney FC. I think there's still enough quality there for a top four spot, definitely. And as you say, Pauletti, there's a number of teams that have had really good runs to the season, uh, it's the start of the season, I should say. And I think they just pick one or two of them and, and get into that third place, Christian. I've got them in third as well, Lucky. Like you said, they've just got too much talent not to make a deep run. And yeah, Paletti highlighted the, the youth issues in midfield. But if there's one coach who can work around that, it's Ante Urich for me. I think he'll be able to to solve that issue. You know, even if he has to tweak any sort of tactics or any yeah tactical changes that may be required to accommodate that but I think yeah in the long run I think obviously yeah with the two games in hand obviously help and just the talent on paper in general that this team's too good to to finish you know lower just scraping into finals I can see them finishing around that third fourth place but I've got them in third for the moment by the time this season comes to an end we're very much going to be looking at what we've looked at in the last couple of dub seasons there's going to be a very clear divide between the top teams and the bottom teams and I think we'll see that even with six spot, like if we have a look uh, at the last couple of tables, like it was like there was a very clear top five and then there was everyone else. Like and I think that's kind of what we're going to be looking at again. So it's going to be a very clear top six, then a mind the gap and then, hey, here's everyone else. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think there will be a top five. That's where my head is at. And I've said multiple times, I think the spots below that are up for grabs. In fifth, and Christian, the answer to your question, the team that I have in seventh is Western United. Same Z's. There we go. And look, I, so. I think out of all my predictions, I think this is the one I'm most likely to get wrong. Um, you know, with Mark Tocasso leaving the club, you know, it, that was his choice to go focus on his duties with the Philippines national team. There was a little bit of worries, you know, but then comes in comes Cat uh, Smith, experienced A-League women's manager. You know, Western have looked in pieces like the side that made the grand final last year. Just the little up and down nature of it and probably my optimism with Newcastle has uh, led me to put them in seventh and just missing out on finals. Yeah, this is the one I was tossing up on. I was thinking, do I put Western in seventh? Do I put the Jets in sixth? Yeah, in the end, I, I opted for Western in sixth position. I've been slightly critical of, I guess, their grit and their, I don't know, their determination or whatever you want to call it, the tackling, whatever, in the midfield, you know, just to, I guess, grind out results. Like in that that Jets game where they lost 4-2, there's been a couple others uh, early in the season where I've just been skeptical a bit of, you know, is this team really serious when it gets to the crunch time? Uh, yeah, obviously, they've got the talent there. Uh, I just question whether they've got, enough in the tank, you know, as a whole. But I think Kat Smith is definitely a good appointment. I've always been impressed with her coaching style, especially defensively. You can tell straight away that, uh, you know, she's focused on that aspect more so rather than the attack because she knows that that's the area where they've got to improve, albeit they shift in four against the Jets. But all in all, yeah, I see the West United just scraping in. Plady, you have the just missing out, as you said. What are your concerns? Uh, yeah, I've got them in... Seventh, I think this is more a case of I've got the Jets going into the top six. You know, seven doesn't go into six. Someone has to drop out. And unfortunately for me, I think Western United are just the the unlucky team here. Um, look, if I'm wrong and they jump into the six, I wouldn't be surprised and I'll happily stick my hand up and say, yeah, I got that one wrong. I don't think I have any concerns with this side. Um, I'm not saying that they're, you know, playing the best football in the world but they're certainly not playing the worst i think that uh, it has been a little bit of a drop off from last season but i don't think that's unsurprising like i think any team that has an inaugural year like that there's going to be some level of drop off and i think that's all we're seeing here um you know Torcaso to the philippines cat smith coming in she's doing well so far i have no reason to believe she can't keep it up i say i think this is just a case of jets in western united out and I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah, look, and they just got that win against Perth Glory, who are currently sitting uh, second, second on the table. So, you know, as we said with the men's uh, yesterday, it, in patches, it, it's quite a tight league. So, you know, we saw Perth go and beat City. It, it, anything could happen on any day. And as you say, Platy, if we're wrong about Western United, I think we can hold our hands up with that one. In fourth place now is the Melbourne victory. Now, they've been made to pay for slow starts uh, so far this season. A slow start in the league left them planted to the bottom of the table after two rounds, and they've been playing catch-up ever since. And a slow start to the Melbourne derby last weekend cost them bragging rights against City. But, Christian, a six-game undefeated run in between leaves Jep Hopkins' side in the equation, uh, and you'd think with still a fair bit of room to improve as well. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Like you mentioned, the six games unbeaten, you can tell they're starting to you know, find their stride and get into a bit of a groove, which is what you expect from a Hopkins side. 
you know, generally, yeah, we expect them to start off pretty slowly, uh, maybe not in the manner which they did, but nonetheless, they've found, I guess, a bit of momentum to kick on and, yeah, really push, you know, the likes of Melbourne City. I've got them in second place. It was pretty tough, to be honest, I think. You know, you could easily put them in third, fourth, whatever you choose. But for me, just that bit of extra, I guess, experience, both in the coaching staff and just on the field in general, I can see, you know, what their identity on the field and what they're trying to produce, I think, will help them get over the line and into second place. Plenty. I have them in fourth. I think perhaps some of the reason behind that is, you know, maybe there's some more interesting teams to talk about that have just nicked them in my rankings. Um, I think they're pretty bolted on for a, a finals play. So I'd, after seeing them on the weekend, I'd be pretty confident in saying that. Where do you have them sitting? Yeah, I've got them in fourth. I've seen a lot of good stuff from them this season. I keep going back to this line. Jeff Hopkins is going to get them clicking at the right time and it's all going to fall good. So I don't think it matters where they make it into the finals race as long as they make it, right? And that's kind of the scary thing is that as long as Jeff Hopkins gets some clicking at the right time, they're going to do crazy things and upset a lot of teams and fans. Look, Rachel Lowe's been an absolute, you know, star since she's gone down there. Uh, Lydia Williams had came up incredibly strong uh, in the in the Melbourne Derby on the weekend and kept that scoreline a lot closer than it probably should have been on the balance of play. Yeah, I've got them finishing fourth. I think, yeah, come finals, they'll upset a lot of teams. All right, right up to the pointy end now. In third place currently lies the Wellington Phoenix. You'd have to say one of the surprise packages so far this season. Their only home loss was a narrow 1-0 defeat to the perennial challengers Melbourne City in the opening round. They're proving a very tough team to beat in New Zealand. Uh, Paletti with their English coach, the Venezuelan striker, Canadian goalkeeper in the Aussie League. The Kiwis are going all right. They are indeed. Um, well, I've got them finishing in third as well. They'll get a guaranteed home final. And won't that be a sight to see at the cake tin? It's been a good season for them. I like what they're doing. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that Brianna Edwards isn't isn't starting goalkeeper every week, but I think that's just personal bias. I really love the way Edwards plays. I don't think there's anything wrong with Riley Foster, and it's certainly not, a, not an attack on her. My thoughts is just a personal preference. But as long as the Knicks keep on winning games, I don't think uh, I don't think I can have any complaints. I'm still torn. I've got Wellington in fifth at the moment, but I'm tempted to put them in fourth. I'm... Well, I'll help you out. I I have them in fifth as well. I just think it hurts them. The advantages that they get at home hurts them away. And that's just the nature of being Wellington in the A-League. And I think they're really turning New Zealand into a tough place to travel. And that's great. And, you know, Macy Fraser is really exciting. 21-year-old playing for the Knicks. She's great to watch. Speckmeyer uh, in front. They're a great team to watch. They're really fun. I just worry um, about some of those away days and their ability to wrap up enough points to get into the top four. And that was exactly my thought process. The same goes with Perth Glory. It's just having to travel a long distance, basically, what, every second week. It's just, it takes a toll eventually. And yeah, they've had, obviously, a great start to the season. They've been playing some great football, uh, which has been so enjoyable to watch. Um, I interviewed Paul Temple uh, just a couple of days ago, provided some good insight into, you know, how he's developing the team, uh, you know, the culture within the club and how, I guess, he's setting them up for, you know, quite a successful season. I've got him in fifth place. I I just think given 
a bit of inexperience. Let's not forget, you know, they've only this is their third season in the league, and what they're achieving now is pretty remarkable. I uh, must be said. So, yeah, great start, but I see them drop dropping off just a slight tad, and yeah, into fifth. And yeah, one of those seasons, Plotty, was not even played in New Zealand, right? So you've got to give them a lot of credit from where they've come from. Yeah, yeah the Wollongong Phoenix. Um, I still have a Wollongong <laughs> Phoenix jersey somewhere, actually. Um, I have to find it. Um, I think that's a good point that is raised. You know, we looked at them their first year in the league. Obviously, didn't do well. Looked at them their second year in the league. Again, didn't do well. And we were all kind of going, especially after year one, I think a few of us... Uh, we're going, oh, you know, Paul Wellington, you know, it's kind of hard for them. And then I might get this wrong. I'm pretty sure it was uh, uh, Sam Lewis who said who said that, you know, this isn't the worst thing in the world for them. They've got a young core. They're going to come good, you know, and they're going to be making finals in a couple of years. And, you know, we're all going to look back and, you know, when they become a you know a behemoth of the league, you know, we're kind of going to look back on, you know, these this season and it's just like, kind of like a blip on the radar as they develop. And I'm probably paraphrasing um, her words there, but if this season so far is any indication that it's on the right path for the Knicks. They did show signs last season, though, that, you know, they were in games. They were leading quite a few, but it was just that fact of inexperience sort of came into play where they dropped off in the critical moments in games and they sort of, you know, fell away. But this season in particular, I can tell Paul Temple has really got a grip on his side and, yeah, it's heading in a positive direction, which is obviously great for them. But we've also got to remember, it's been three coaches in three seasons now. And they've also had three starting goalkeepers in three seasons. It was Lily Olfeld in year one, uh, who provided a lot of experience at the back. And it's just like, like I watched her the year before at the Glory, got absolutely pumped in goals, like conceded like 50 something goals goes to Wollongong uh, goes to Wollongong well technically <laughs> technically she did goes to Wellington year one is the side inaugural captain um, and you can see some remarkable improvement between the glory and you know her time at the Knicks but again just couldn't get anything going um, and then gets an injury and suddenly it's Bray Edwards that's starting every single week for the Phoenix did a great job and then this year they've had Riley Foster starting while Oldfeld has still been injured. You know, and I think last year we saw that they missed that veteran experience of Oldfeld at the back, club captain. And they're not missing that this year. That's They've kind of started to grow and, you know, we're watching everyone together. Some of this side has been there since day one. They've grown They've grown together. They're coming on in spades. Like you look at Mackenzie Barry, who's got the club's all-time uh, appearance record as it stands at the moment like I think that you know they're building that foundation there and I think we're seeing the rewards of that this season after a cuff couple of seasons to open uh, their um to open their existence all right well we're down to two now Perth Glory and the Melbourne City I don't think we've had anyone predict premiers yet so it's down to these two the team currently in second is the team from the West, probably with Wellington and the other surprise package of the season so far. They went four wins straight to open up their campaign. And whilst the loss to Western United will cause a little bit of concern, uh, Pletty, they're a very tough team to stop when they've got the trio of Fong Song Cam, Jale and Farrow all firing as those three have been at certain points in the season. As much as their advantage that, that their home gives them, travelling away is hard. Look, I very much like what they've been doing, uh, like what Alex Aparkas has been doing over 
uh, over in Western Australia this year. I think they're an exciting team to watch. Um, I like the way that they're performing, and this is much like Wellington. This has been coming for the last couple of seasons. We've seen we've seen what he's been trying to build, and we're we're seeing we're seeing that pay off this year. I think the only thing that might stop the glory is not necessarily the inconsistencies, but when they come up against the top sides of the league, what's going to happen? Like, yes, we saw them just beat City uh, a couple of weeks ago, three one. Um, away in Melbourne, but we also just saw them draw nil all with Sydney at home on a Sunday night. Like, where's that consistency going to lie for them? Is it going to be the team that ran Melbourne City off the park, or is it going to be the team that, if it wasn't for a Morgan Aquino masterclass, should have been run off the park by Sydney FC? Yeah, I agree with what Paletti said. In terms of even the home record, they're undefeated in five games, I believe, this season. So it goes back to what I was saying with the Wellington Phoenix about, you know, the home and away record. I think away from home, that's going to be their undoing to a certain extent when it gets to the end of the season where the teams finish up on the table. But, yeah, in terms of the, the final third and, you know, that attacking prowess, that's, it's a scary thought with the amount of, you know, the options they've got. And, you know, you can see their patterns of play, you know, really align, you know, both from the defense to the attack. They can, you know, basically pass through teams. You could say not to the extent of a Melbourne City side, but you can tell it's pretty similar. So, yeah, they've actually really impressed me, to be honest, this season. I didn't expect them to be, you know, sitting currently, you know, in second position. Well, we'll hold on to our uh, reveal. We'll We'll talk about Melbourne City now. I had the pleasure of uh, watching them in the flesh for the first time yesterday. They are seriously a good team. They should have won that Melbourne derby by a a lot more than what they did. Look, there are always challenges in the women's league. This season is looking no different. You know, the only loss uh, to Perth was a slight hiccup, but the comprehensive victory in that derby yesterday was just what the doctor ordered. They've opened up a, a three-point gap at the top of the tree on Christmas, which is a nice little segue there. Um, but, you know, always a strong team, Melbourne City um, and Christian. I see no reason why they will not be towards the top of the Liberty A-League ladder come the end of the season. Yeah, they've been pretty much faultless all season long. I mean, you know, the likes of Daniela Galich, uh, you know, got, she's got so many good like, talented players in that squad. Ekic was exceptional yesterday. Yeah, no, she was. You can just pick anyone basically from that starting 11 and that it's pretty hard to put up an argument that they wouldn't be able to fit into any side in the competition. Like they're that well-drilled. They've got so much, you know, ability. Uh, the final third, especially the way they link up with each other is just a joy to watch. And like for me personally, I think like if they don't just win the championship in general, it would be, I reckon... A failure this season because the team they've got, they yeah they should be they should be up there and winning at least at a minimum making the grand final. But for me, like I've got to win the championship, let alone you know uh, winning the the premier's plate. Bloody, I think Christian may have tipped his hand just a little bit. <laughs> What's your read on the, uh, Melbourne City? They're always a strong team. I you just look at the talent that's in that lineup. It's easily one of, if not the best team on paper in the competition. Um, I mean, six wins, two draws, one loss, and even then, the loss. Um, 
I did have it here. Yeah, it was only that game to the glory who were also, you know, going to be up there at the, uh, you know, at the pointy end of the season. I mean, they're just finding a way, finding a way to get results. But I mean, you just have to have a look at the players they've got. They've got Hannah Pilkinson. They've got Rihanna Polichino. They've got they've got Re- Rebecca Stott. They've got you know they've got Daniela Gallich. Like you got Carly Ross back, and you've got Laura Hughes. You've got Taylor Otto. You've got Naomi Chinema. You know, this is a strong lineup. It's one of the best lineups on paper. And look, I would challenge this side, you know, against anyone in history uh, in the in the A-League women's or the dub. Like, again, this is going back to some of the past Melbourne City sides that we've seen as well, right? Like, that was basically, you know, Matilda's light. Um, you know, when, when Rado Vitisic had them running roughshod over the entire competition, you put this side against any of those and they do good. I mean, the loss of Holly Mack is not ideal for them, uh, but they're finding a way to get results without her. And I think that's a scary proposition is that one of their best players is out for the season and they still don't look like they've lost a beat. <laughs> so if if you're saying that this Melbourne City team is one of the best A-League women's sides of all time, I guess they're Probably fancied for the premiership then. No, I've got the glory. No, I've got the glory. You got the glory, Christian. Your tip? Yeah, Melbourne City. I have City as well. Bloody, I'm going to issue with you with a uh, please explain because <laughs> you've just you've literally just talked about how good this Melbourne City team and how they rank compared to the history of A League women football. But Perth Glory is who you see sitting atop the A League ladder. I really like what Alex Parkers is doing out of Perth. I think it's their time. I think they've had. You know, I I mentioned earlier that's uh, that um that season with Lily Orfeld where they just absolutely shipped goals left, right, and center. And then I could be messing up my timelines here because COVID was a thing. <laughs> um, there, you know, the next couple of seasons they literally barely missed out on finals. Um, you know, one of them was goal difference on the final day of the season. You know, that caused them to miss finals. I think that. It's just this is going to be their time. They're going to finish on top. They're going to guarantee themselves a home final. Um, yeah, I, I think that's literally all it is. I just think it's time for the glory. That being said, if we come back at the end of the season and it's City 1, Glory 2, I'm also not going to be surprised. But yeah, I, I've i got glory finishing top. Christian, I just think this City team is so comprehensively good pretty much everywhere. You know, they... It, they just they just have quality everywhere, and it's kind of similar to what we talked about with the men's team, right? They're not clicking on particular games. You feel like they have their individuals to be able to get them out of those situations, and if they are clicking as a team, well, watch out because there's not many teams that can touch them if that's the case. For sure, and I'm not saying that there won't be a good period here or there. I mean, they definitely will. There will be a time during the season where they'll struggle for maybe a couple of games, and they'll have to, you know, rediscover a bit of their form, but. You know, on the general basis of things, they they just set out to 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 win this championship in general, the grand final. I mean, have have we what you want to spin it really? I mean, there's some teams that are built for the future, and there's some teams that are built for the present and for a championship and for this city side. I get what Paletti is saying about Perth. Uh, don't get me wrong, but yeah, this city side, I just can't go past them. I mean, I think I just said everything. I think this is a glorious time. I, I look, as I said, I don't dislike this city side. I've literally just praised the living So by your logic, though, that means Perth are one of the best sides you've ever seen in the dub. 
Don't put words <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> I, look, no, I just, I literally think it's just they're going, I think the glory are just going to find results where they need to find them. And I just, I, I think it's their time. I can't explain it more than that. Are you basing it more on a gut feeling or? Yeah, it, that, that's it. It's a gut feeling. I think it's their time. I think we've seen how good they are. And I literally said that they have some drawbacks. Like they just beat City 3-1, ran them off the park. But then they also the next week almost got ran off the park by Sydney FC were it not for Morgan Aquino Masterclass. I, but I just, I literally just think it's their time. All right. Well, those are our predictions, uh, our Christmas Power Rankings edition. We would love to hear your thoughts as well. Get out to us on Twitter, the A-Leagues of our own. We're going to get these out on socials. Love for you to come back at us, start some dialogue, see who's right, who's wrong. It's going to be very interesting to look back in roughly six, uh, not six months, four or five months time and see how we've ended up. Now, sorry, just before you sign off, um, some breaking news as we record. Charlie Grant has signed with Spurs in the Women's Super League. Your initial thoughts? Um, North London is red. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a very good pickup for Spurs. I mean, they've been performing very well. Where are they now on the ladder? They were in the top four when I last checked. Well, you should know. You interviewed their coach. Yeah, yeah, quite a few weeks ago. They were were seeing about third place. They were going really well. Uh, so they are currently sixth Six in the WSL. Yeah. Uh, they are three points behind Liverpool and Manchester United, who are both on yeah. 18 respectively. They've dropped off a bit, but obviously they've felt the need to to acquire a couple of players, and they've felt as though Charlie Grant is one of those who can who can make a difference. And yeah, let's see the impact that she can make on the team. Hopefully, she does get you know some consistent minutes and regular starts which is obviously what she needs for the Matildas well obviously a little bit of a European tangent there and we will continue that theme on Friday when we have a special episode on the European Super League of course the court case uh, that was concluded last week it is a European topic but we feel it has you know very global implications for the future of football so we will spend an episode dedicated to that and then we will return to our A-Leagues action on the Tuesday but that is all for this episode of the A-Leagues of our own podcast thank you all very much for listening at home Paletti thank you for joining me for this episode thank you and Christian Merry Christmas Thank you very much, Lockie. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone at home. Again, thank you all for listening. Goodbye.